All right, welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, super excited for today's uh, episode. We're in episode 98. Um, we, ha- we have Esther from uh, Flegal Flyers. Uh, so glad to have you on the podcast. We've had you on the past uh, when we were in Reno a few years back. I can't even remember. How long ago was that? I think that was 2019. Really? That was that? Wow. That feels like... I guess this year makes it feel like so much longer than that. But, um, but yeah, so glad to have you back. Um, I made a post uh, about competing and practice, and I talked about how, in my view as a coach, what I always try to uh, – the way I try to view practices, practices should be harder, meets should be easier. Because if practice is as rigorous as you can make it and really work on some stuff, then meets should come – rather easy. I mean, again, that's a quick post. I think there's a lot of things that you can unpack there and talk about some nuances. Um, but what were your thoughts when, when you saw that post? Uh, I mean, it's definitely very, very deep. Um, so practice wise, at least when we work with kids is when you think, right. And I think that's kind of what you were getting at as well. Like you're, you're pushing kids, you're going, Hey, what did you feel that time? Let's work on it. And you give them like three or four things to talk about mm-hmm. and then maybe choose one or two to focus on in the next jump. Right. Right. But in a meet, generally speaking, you want them to just go. Right. And just, just go up a grip, move those standard, whatever, all those little adjustments. But then there's also that added element to it where when you're in that meet setting, sometimes, well, for instance, today, Matt was at a meet. Um, I wasn't because I didn't want to go in and get tested. So <laughs> luxuries of having two coaches. Yeah. So he went to a meet and we had a kid who had an amazing warm up. right? I'm sure we've all had those meets. Yeah. And he looked really good. It was like, sweet, things are finally coming together. And the bar goes up. And then, you know, everything's sad and no heights are the worst things ever. Yeah. So... I think that's a perfect example of how meets can be easier, but sometimes if you're not in the right frame of mind, or if you're just like, you haven't practiced that part of the experience of being an athlete and performing, right? meets can be so much worse. And you, if, as soon as you let anything get in your head, you're, you're, you're basically done unless you're scraping the floor to try to piece yourself back together. So it's, it's very much both sides. It's, it's really right. a big, big topic. Yeah. So, I mean, a, a, a couple of things that I was thinking about as you, you were talking, I think one from the practice perspective, uh, I always th- it, find it interesting and give me your thoughts on this. I know a lot of people like to say like the blanket, like, oh, pole vaulter can only think about one thing at a time, like only give a person one focus. And I feel like, yes, I get that. Like you obviously don't want to give like 10 technical corrections after a jump and try to have someone fix all 10. But the, the reason I sometimes push back against that, uh, one of the things that I talk about at practice is like, all right, like I try to coach sequentially in sequence, right? In order, one, two, three, four, five, six. And I'm like, you have to jump sequentially. When a vaulter comes down the runway, like you have to have those sequences going off in your head as you run down the runway. Like, okay, the pull tips up. I'm starting to let it drop. I'm accelerating on the runway. I finish the plant. I jump up. I swing, turn, push off the pole, boom, right? Like, I, and I, the way I always explain it to athletes is like, you can't necessarily think in words because words are too slow, right? But you have to have maybe some feelings or sounds associated with these sequences. Because the thing that I always do too is like, I'm like, look, let's step outside of the vault, 
you know, everybody always gets so, uh, you know, stuck in this pull vault bubble. We, we think like, well, yeah, how am I supposed to handle more than one thing on a jump? And it's like, well, how do you think a boxer does it? Right? Like a boxer has to keep their hands up. They got to move their feet. They're throwing a feint. This guy throws a jab. They got up uh, and then they, you know, and then they're throwing patterns. And it's like, well, if that dude can do that, I think we can handle a little bit more maybe, you know, it's just, but the way of like programming it in your head and having those sequence of events unfold, you know, on every jump and kind of learning how to think as an athlete, like, I, I don't know. I think that's something that I try to get across. I think that's super important. I mean, yeah, I feel like you have a bunch of thoughts. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you think You're about You're an that? idiot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, well, like the first thing that popped in my head was rhythm. I'm very much a rhythm person. So like I... I sometimes struggle with words. And if you're in the, in the gym or field house or whatever with me, you'll notice that I just say like, nah, just me. and somehow I communicated that to the kids. And I, I always said, I'm like, did you actually understand that? Cause I don't know what I said, but um, I, I think I, that really resonates with me. Cause I I'm very much a sequential coach as well. Um, and honestly, sometimes my feedback will be literally like, that rhythm was off. Like that felt weird, didn't it? You just got to make it feel smoother, you know? Um, so I think that's definitely a big piece of it. That's, that's very much similar for the both of us. I like that. Well, yeah. And, and even what you're saying about like the feel, you know, like Mm -hmm. feel is super important. Like even when we're trying to build awareness for a skill as a, as a vault coach, you know, they have to be able to feel things like, did you feel that the pole moved faster? Did you feel that you swung faster? Or did you feel that it slowed down? Because if an athlete can't develop awareness and feel for the, let's say just those variables, which I think those are huge. I mean, I think you, I'm sure you've seen this. I've seen this countless times where it's like you go to a meet and you see a vaulter jumping who is not aware of pole speed and you're like, Oh no, no, don't swing on that. You know, like you shouldn't swing on that jump. And I think that's the thing that we sometimes as vault coaches, we might take for granted. Like we get so hung up on like trying to teach a position. It's like, all right, I really want a monster drive me on the next one. Or I want that, that swing leg perfectly straight. And it's like, meanwhile, it's like, yeah, but is that athlete aware? Do they have feel for that pole speed and the swing speed? Are they aware of this? Because if not, they might provide you a great drive knee and they might end up in the box, you know, on that, that particular jump, you know? So it's like, I, I'd rather the person be more aware of that movement than exactly how it looks, you know? That's, that's huge. I, I always think just where is the energy going? So I try to explain things in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um, that brought me to another, like, I don't know, rhetorical question. Like how, how do you get a kid who doesn't get it to understand what are, what are like tools that you've used? Right. Right. Like, How do you teach that? They're just like, I don't get it. Oh yeah. So I mean, I laugh because I feel like, um, so, and this will kind of bridge also some other topics that, that I wanted to touch (laughs) upon anyway, but like, um, I think, you know, what I notice in the pole vault community and the pole vault world um, happening is we're in a shift where it's like we're going from this community that was largely just high school, just college to a club system. And there are these like 
what I consider, and I hope no one finds this disrespectful what I'm about to say, but when I think about club coaches, I think about the true professional pole vault coaches. These are not some national coach that only work with the people that have already hit the B standard or something for some world competition. Like you're only working with the top of the top. It's like, you have to work with every athlete that walks through your door. Yeah, brand new to... Right. And you have to figure out how to to teach this uh, sport and teach these skills. And like you said, how do you get this person to understand? It's like, I don't, I don't get it. What do you mean? I'm sticking my leg out. I'm not. And then you film them and you're like, you did it. You do it every time. I promise you I'm watching. Yeah. Well, you know, what's so funny is like, even uh, at the club when we do pole drops, right. And like everybody lines up, if you're a righty, I'm like, okay, stand right leg back, left leg forward, make sure your toes, chest, hips are pointed forward. Right. And inevitably there's always someone with their back foot, their toes pointed to the right. And I'm like, dude, your toes aren't straight. And they literally look at me like, you're a moron. My toes are straight. And then they look down like, oh. <laughs> and then they move their foot. And I'm like, yeah, because that's the thing. We're getting people to come in through the door who, one, their first athletic experience is maybe with us. They're not some, some schooled athlete already. And they might not be very aware of their own body. I mean, uh, you know, you're an educator. There's multiple intelligences and kinesthetic awareness not everyone is gifted to have amazing kinesthetic awareness so like you said you're like hey your leg was sticking out and then the person's like no and then you're like but look at this video and they're like oh you know how did we get there yeah and and sometimes you know and i think for some athletes that works right like you showing me video of me where i was like no 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 esther i'm telling you i did it right and you're like "Mm, look at the video i'm that might be enough to like jog that kinesthetic awareness and jolt it. And on the next one, I'll feel better, you know, or or I'll have a better feel for it. Um, so that, that might work, but yeah, I think that is, is, um, a struggle you have to be willing to accept as a pole vault coach is like trying to help people understand, you know, and convert words into movement, you know? It's an art. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and listen, like I, I think sometimes like this week, even I had an athlete where we were talking and I'm like, all right, we've gone down this rabbit hole way too far. Like, I trust me, I'm trying to explain this in every way possible and maybe someone else can explain it better. Um, But what I almost told about the athlete is like, you've had some good ones. You need to feel that more and go towards that direction more and stay away from the other direction, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's critical is trying to, you know, trying to figure out how to explain that to an athlete. Um, it is really, it's, it's a puzzle. It is fun. That is, I mean, even with like the kids where you're like, man, you're never going to win state, but if you get that kid to figure it out, it is like the best feeling ever. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think helping someone figure something out is, is always awesome. And I think, for me, I always think about it as like a life skill, you know, like uh, even, you know, I feel very fortunate. I really promote this sport through adulthood. So we do have adults that come in and that just, I, if anything gets me uh, pumped up, it's that seeing adults, you know, pole vault, you know, um, but like even for the kids or an adult, it's learning that life skill of like, yeah, I don't understand this now, or this is difficult right now, but I'm, I'm going to keep at it and I will figure it out. And one of the things that I always tell athletes, I'm like, look, I don't know when you'll figure it out. You know, I can't tell you in 10 jumps, 
in 10 practices, maybe in 10 years, you know what I mean? But it's like, if you keep at it, you will figure it out. Cause the other thing, as much as I will try to communicate and talk, I would, I told an athlete this week, I'm like, we can talk about this all day. We can watch videos. We can read an article, but at the end of the day, you have to get on the runway and you have to try again. And you, that's the only way you're going to figure this out. There's no way of figuring this out by just talking. You know, you have to do it. And I think one of the things that we do at Apex, and I mean, you tell me what you guys do, but I mean, we really try to bre- break it down by, you know, varying the approaches from all the way to a zero, like no run back to like whatever full approaches, varying the way you carry the pole, you know, doing overhead, low carry, high carry, varying the drill selection, you know, sometimes, you know, even if someone's takeoff is okay, like it looks okay in a full jump, sometimes by taking away the turn and the swing and just doing takeoff again, all of a sudden, oh, wait, now I can't move the pole because you weren't (laughs) really having an effective takeoff. You weren't moving the pole with takeoff. So by varying the drills, you can get that athlete to feel different things. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, maybe if you have a specific question, I can give you a more specific answer, but that, <laughs> that's one of the ways that we do it here. I mean, what do you I mean, I was, I was just kind of playing devil's advocate, honestly, because okay. there's always those kids where you're just like, all right, well, I mean, Matt and I will play that game where we're playing ping pong, like, okay, your turn. I'm not sure what, like something's not clicking. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And then there's like the, the, sometimes just a verbal cue will work for a kid. Sometimes if they see it, like you said, they'll just like, I got, I get it. And then they can go do it. And then sometimes you literally have to like pick their foot up and move it three inches forward. And like that, that's, I think that's the one that I've been doing more is like, uh, helping to just physically put them in that position, whether that yeah. be just like standing against the the wall with the pole against the wall, right. And standing underneath it, like Mm -hmm. now squeeze your tummy. What does that feel like? Or you get them on the rings and you just have them walk forward until they're on their tippy toe. Like this is, this is takeoff. If you're not tight here, you're going to get destroyed. That's why you can't jump up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a fun puzzle. Yeah. Well, I, I think what you're bringing up too is like, um, like manipulating athletes physically, you know, it's like, Look, if somebody can't hold the pole properly just by looking at you pick it up, like you have to literally like move their elbows and their <laughs> wrists. And, you know, it's like I almost feel like uh, sometimes uh, when I'm going through that process with new athletes, I, I feel like it's like almost like they're puppets and you're the puppeteer, you know, you're like, okay, got to move this string over here, you know. Um, but I think that's, that's super important. And I think that's something that um, – again, like when you make the comparison to let's say older systems and coaches that were just already working with established vaulters, you know, I I think that's a big difference is like, you have to, you like, I almost tell people, it's like, you can't be lazy. Like you have to be able to walk over to the Mm -hmm. athlete, literally put them where they need to be and be like, okay, do you feel that? That's different. Yeah. You got to keep this elbow down on the carry, you know, whatever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the other thing as far as like not being lazy is like, you have to remember your role as a coach is to give feedback. And I think one of the things that I've always heard from people who coach that got me aggravated was when they're like, well, I'm just giving the same correction the whole time. Good. Then keep giving it. Like you need to do that. Like, right. Like, like if your athlete runs down and they flare out their elbow as they're doing the carry and flipping the pole and they get hit, you have to keep being like, Hey, your elbow was up. Like you got 
elbow down, no elbow down, elbow down. Like, and if it takes me saying that a thousand times for you to get it right, well, then I'm going to say it a thousand times. Like, that's my role. That's my job. Um, I, I mean, I used to be an English teacher and I always tell people like, I used to hate going into the um, teacher's room in the beginning of the year because mm-hmm. inevitably there's always this uh, exchange. Oh my God, these kids don't know how to write. And in my head, I would silently say, that's why you have a job, right? <laughs> like, like if the kids knew how to write, they wouldn't need an English teacher, you know? Um, so yeah. it's like, I feel like sometimes as coaches, you know, I, I understand the frustration as a coach. Like, you're like, why don't they just get this, you know? But the thing is, that's your role. Someone doesn't get it and you have to help them. I mean, that kid who gets it, to me, almost like, I feel like at this point in my career, like, I'm happy when people jump high and like, that's awesome and you know, but that's, that's kind of, that's that athlete's thing. And they did that. And I just happened to be there. Right. What I feel is way more important in my role is like for the person that's not getting it. Right. Cause like once they get it, like it's on them, they, they decide how hard they want to work, how far they want to take this. And if they're athletically inclined, you know, maybe they can do something really special, like win a state title or, you know, uh, win nationals or, you know, jump in college or whatever. But it's like, my role is to help the person that's not getting it. You know, that's, you know, if you, if you got it, like, listen, great, you can train here and, you know, we'll help you and we'll give you adjustments. But it's like, you got it, man. You know, you're a black belt. You've, you've mastered this, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's just keeping them safe at that point. Yeah, well, and, and I think once they're a black belt, like one of the things that I really you know, <laughs> think, it, it, I don't know if everybody gets to be a black belt. I mean, I'm throwing that around very loosely. But like, once they're getting close to that black belt level, it's like, I think it's very important here. Like we talk about it. It's like now it's your job to help others become black belts. And it's also your job to help people get better. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. like there's no point in you being a black belt if you can't share that with others. You know what I mean? And that's like, that's kind of like teaching people to be good citizens. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't just come here and take, you know, and it's like, okay, well, you know, I, I, I got a lot of fruit for my labor here and uh, I'm going to leave. I'm done now. I got what I wanted. So bye. You know, it's like, no, you got to, you got to give back and help somebody else who, you know, when you were in that point, someone helped you, you know, and you know, maybe it could just be, uh, you know, just talking to someone online while they're waiting to jump, you know, and giving them words of encouragement, Mm. you know? Oh my Um, gosh. Yes. That's like what I love about the sport so much. Oh my word. I, I guess just from my really well, I guess it's actually a pretty typical experience, but I, I was a gymnast and I came into the track world and my, my mind was blown because in gymnastics, you walk like in your, your little pods and you don't mingle with other people. You stay yeah, at your yeah. area. And then track was just like, why is everybody running all over the place and crossing <laughs> fences and jumping over things? Right, right, but I feel like there's also kind of that vibe with like just being on the runway where you're with your competitors. And I, I think that's similar with other field events races. I feel like are a little more intense, but mm-hmm. where you you're there together, you're competing against each other, but with that, like one person's up at a time scenario, mm-hmm. it really opens the door to be a good person and to build those like communication skills and building more of a community rather than just like, I'm here to do my job and that's all that matters. Right. And it's like, for me it personally, it's like as a coach, I, I pick like the random kid at practice, like, Hey, you're going to be the leader today. Like I'm going to start instilling these skills in you because like maybe a portion of a percent of the kids we work with are going to be college studs or go on to be professionals. Right. 
-hmm. So like instilling those little tiny skills and building that confidence, Mm -hmm. those little victories, they just, they just add up and it makes such a big difference. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's why we love coaching. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, uh, yeah, I just, I, I totally agree. You know, like again, the sentiment that you're saying, it's like, you know, yeah, a lot of people are not going to end up maybe getting a, a college scholarship or a lot of people are not maybe going to go to the Olympics or something like that. But the thing is, this is still like an amazing sport. It's a great event. I think also, you know, as a, an event and especially a sport when it's early growing, you know, people who maybe can't find a home somewhere else, they're finding that home here with pole vault because I think there is something inviting about pole vault where you can learn these skills as long as you're landing on the mats you know, like, Hey, that's awesome. And we can, we can keep building off of that and you'll keep jumping higher and higher, you know? Um, and there is that, that level of like, okay, like it's your journey too, you know, where it's like, okay, I'm trying to jump a little bit higher. I'm trying to jump a little bit higher. Now, if you jump high enough and that gets competitive, awesome. You know, I think that's, that's another aspect to it, which, um, Going back to the original uh, post that we were talking about. Yeah, where were we? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, going back to that original post, so in my viewpoint, you brought this up, like this is where it's like I see practice being as like hard as possible because as a coach, I have to challenge you and give you the drills and the progressions that are most difficult for you, right? It's like, let's say someone's like really good at their takeoff drill. It's like, cool. We don't have to do takeoff drill. We're going to work on your swing or we're going to work on your turn or we're going to, you know, we're going to work on your carry. Like whatever you're not good at, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to spend a lot of time at practice where you're going to hear no, no, no. And then some kind of correction. Right. And so I'm like, that should be super, super challenging where it's like, like what you were bringing up when you go to the meet, now we don't have to do that. Right. Like we did all the hard work. Right. And now you go to the meet and you just display your skills, you know, and we allow that to come out. Um, I think uh, what you're bringing up, like the challenge of competing, and we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast, so I'd love for you to expand. Um, But like, there is this part of competing where it's like, it's very, very stressful. You know, your adrenaline starts pumping. Obviously, if you have any type of anxiety over competing, that might come out, you know, and I, I think what I always try to say to athletes, um, one, let's try not to think about competing or meets in mm-hmm. a way where it's stressful until it needs to be, right? Like, mm-hmm. like if you're a beginner athlete, like you just start coming in, let's say you're like a little high school boy, you're a freshman, you weigh maybe 120 pounds and you just jump like nine feet. There's no reason to go to the meet and be stressed out, Right. Like, I, I'm not going to be on top of that kid and be like, dude, listen, uh, you got to clear this bar or else we lose the dual meet. You know, it's like, why would I put that stress on, on this little freshman boy? You know, it's like, if we lost the dual meet, like we, I'm sure we have a bunch of seniors that should have been able to do something and whatever they were supposed to do, you know, but this kid is just trying to figure out how to pole vault, you know? So I think when athletes are young, I think it's super important to try to let them know that like, it's okay to fail. If you know height, I'll be there. If you PR, I'll be there and everything in between. Like, it's okay. Let's just have fun at this early stage, right? Now, as a person starts to get better, I do think it makes sense. Like, let's say you're getting to, you know, junior year and now this kid's going to counties and they're supposed to be top three. 
I could see how going to that meet and now maybe also the expectation of like, all right, my PR is going up. I might be able to jump in college. I'm supposed to be top three in the county. Oh no, I just missed my first attempt. And blah. you know, like I can get why that starts to happen. And so for people who are like trying to speak on that and be like, well, that makes meets dif- difficult. I don't disagree. You know, I mean, do you want to maybe talk about some of that? Like the, the anxiety that can come with competition? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you kind of uh, like touched on it a little bit, how as an athlete gets more experience in competitions that that kind of changes. So I would agree, like when you're first starting out, I I really try to just get some confidence in that kid, you know, like you made a bar. Oh, my gosh. Ah!" All those things. And then as you kind of just keep going, then I feel like they almost put the pressure on themselves where it's like, I want to make the next bar next. bar, you know, right. Right. Um, so that's kind of like the middle, middle place. Mm-hmm. And then when they get more advanced, it's, that's kind of when it's, it's a conversation of hopefully the coach is talking to them and it's not just them putting the pressure on themselves. I think that's where a lot of issues come up is when that conversation is not open and kids yeah. start getting those feelings and being overwhelmed and they're not actually processing them or understanding where they're coming from mm-hmm. because it's all those physical feelings well, no, I'm going backwards. All of the the thoughts in their head or concerns are going to change how their body is responding, right? Right. And that's like the the practice setting where they're calm, they're just focusing. If we add all those thoughts, their body's in a totally different place, and then they're trying to just perform. It's not going to do what they're asking it to do, right? Yeah. Well, then see, that's why I add stress at practice. I stress them out at practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah I think having that open door though is really important and like for me I over the last couple of years I've really tried to be very uh, what's the word I'm trying to look at Uh, I don't I wouldn't it's not like on my end transparency but it's more of like being very aware and observant of what they're doing and how they're acting Mm. if you can catch it when you can see they're they're starting to spiral you can stop it, you know? And that's, that's also kind of an experience thing where the, the elite or the higher up athlete who's got a lot of experience, they might not need that, yeah. but yeah. it's the, that awareness where it's kind of like, you don't want to be a lazy coach. Like if you're in meet and you got kids warming up or if they're not on the runway yet, like you're waiting for two bars or whatever, you still have to be aware of what they're doing and how they're acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or not acting. Like if they're if they're not interacting with other athletes and they always do, maybe they got a fight with their mom that morning. Like that's going to affect how they perform. And kind of going back to what we were talking about, that's going to impact how they're processing their personal lives, which can be leading into just like life outside of pole vault. Like you can still function even though you do have stuff going on. I feel like there's, I, I've noticed a lot of things opening up more where there's more transparency about just how people are doing. And I think that's also really important in athletics and pole vault specifically, because there's so much stress, like we've been talking about, mm-hmm. but just communicating your concerns and like, even how you feel, like, I feel really jittery today. Oh my gosh. I have no idea why. Yeah. 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 Just, just opening up that door so other people can respond to it, I feel like is really, really a huge life skill in general, but it can be a game changer, even just like that one competition or even in your career. Yeah. Well, I, 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 so a couple of things that I think about that add to stress in the pole vault, 
one, I think um, sometimes when people don't really have a good process, um, which helps predict results, that mm, creates yes. a lot of stress, right? Because you don't know. It's like, listen, like, I don't know, like three weeks ago, I PR two feet and we didn't know that was going to happen. That's amazing. And so is that going to happen this week? I don't know. I, now I just went through two no heights in a week. And it's like, so it's like when results are all over the place and there's no rhyme or reason, it's like now, of course, you're going to have an athlete that's more stressed when going to competition because they're going there and they don't know what to expect. They're like, okay, like maybe I can break the school record again, or maybe I'm going to lose the whole meet and look terrible today. So it's like, you have to have a process, I think, as a coach or as a system, you know, um, where things do become more predictable. You know what I mean? Like, you mm -hmm. know, when someone can have a big PR, you know, that they're making steady progress. Um, I kind of almost feel like unless someone's like brand new to your system, it's like, that's when like the big PRs happen. But once someone's been in the system, unless they hit like a huge growth spurt or something like that, right? It's like, it should kind of be so slow and steady climb. Like, and I think being, uh, going back to something you said too, where being honest and open with athletes and being like, Hey, I know your PR is 14, but like, I heard you talking a lot about jumping 16 and that's, you know, that's, I'm not saying that's impossible, but probably not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, let's like, you're still on 14 foot poles. Like, let's see if we can get on 14 yeah. sevens. Let's see if we can swing a little bit better. Let's get to 14, six and 15 before we start talking about 16. And the thing is like, I unfortunately think that there are a lot of people in the public community that it's like, they kind of want to sell people on these huge PRs. And so they will allow someone to think that they can do something that's probably mm -hmm. not possible. And yeah. look, every once in a while, they probably have a success story. They're like, well, look, Johnny came here and he was jumping 12 and he jumped 16. You could do it too. It's like, yeah, but for every Johnny, you also have like a hundred people that came in and didn't even PR. How about that? Like, let's, you, <laughs> you want to have a conversation about this, you know? Cause it's like, so I think that that's the thing is like setting, like, I think realistic expectations for athletes, because if they have realistic expectations, they're a lot less likely to be stressed, right? Like if you promised me that I'm going to get a scholarship and that I'm going to PR two feet and every meet that that doesn't happen, I'm going to start getting stressed. And then it's going to be like, yeah, it's on you. You are on performing. Yeah. But as a coach, what am I doing? Like, I don't understand. It's not happening, you know? And it's like, that's going to create a lot of stress. And so having those open and honest conversations, you know, it's like, I think that that can help people understand, you know, I don't know. That, that made me think of, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You gave me a segue. <laughs> okay. That made me think of uh, like just growth mindset in general is not being fixated on the number. Right. It's like all those little things like oh, I gripped the highest I've ever gripped or my step was consistent today or I got in the biggest pole I've ever, you know, all those little things or like I didn't stick my leg out. You know, I didn't yeah, yeah, starfish yeah. over the bar. Right, like right, right, all right. those little things. Yeah. You made like a foot below your PR. But uh, what was the goal today? You know, so right. I feel like that it's for a lot of times for the kids that put a lot of pressure on themselves. I feel like just literally getting rid of that can help a lot. I actually have a kid who I, I don't know how they have so much pressure on themselves, but I'm just like, dude, what, what have I been telling you? I'm happy. And like, they were telling me, 
how they don't want to let everybody down. I was like, who are you letting down? Who's telling you this? Like, this is the expectation. You're showing up every day and you're working hard. And I'm telling you that I'm happy. Like, you shouldn't be disappointed with yourself. I wanted you to PR today too, Mm -hmm. but you did seven other things that were fantastic. That's progress. That's success. So what is the definition of success? Like, I don't know. I find that really interesting how kids can get so wound up in it. And it's like, that's winning is not what it's about. It's about growth. And if you can find those pieces of growth, you're winning. Like, it's just, it's just, you got to twist the dial. Yeah. So like, I think what you bring up that's important too, is like people need to realize there's like more than one way to like, quote unquote, win. Like, obviously like I'm a competitive guy, like winning meets and people. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little crazy myself. But like, there's more than one way to win. And I think, I think some of the things that some athletes need to understand is like one, sometimes, you know, that meet schedule of like, you know, a meet every single week, at least one. And sometimes it's two or three if they have dual meets, right? That's not really conducive for PRing every single meet. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not going to be possible. Um, Don't all get to set one centimeter high. (laughs) Right, right. And, and so that, that's one thing that people need to realize, you know, it's like talking about like realistic goals. And then, like you said, it's like, well, there's more than one way to win. Like, you know what, maybe you set a four left PR or five left PR, or like you said, like maybe you did get on that next pull up or whatever the case may be, but something else that is an indicator in the process that, yeah, you are heading towards a PR, that you are getting better, you are improving. And you know what? I think also on the opposite end of the spectrum, athletes need to start to realize, okay, um, maybe you didn't get on your normal polls today. Maybe your mid-mark moved up. Uh, Maybe, you know, you did jump a little bit lower. Well, that's an indicator that, yeah, something is wrong. Well, what's wrong? Let's let's talk about that, you know, and what's leading uh, us to go in this opposite direction. And I think even just having athletes understand that you've made choices, which have led to this direction, whether that's maybe not training as hard or, you know, choosing other priorities, you know, and it's like, and that's okay, but now you have to live with those choices. Right? I think you, you made a post not too long ago too about ego, didn't you? Oh, yeah. So I mean, it's like was, totally ties into this. Like, yeah, so, uh, you wanted to stay on that pole, and this is where we are. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I, I said, you know, it's like there's yeah. that pole that we can just barely get into the pit. And then if you check your ego, which is probably three to six inches down or uh, five to 10 pounds down, is that pole you can actually pole vault on. You know, and so that that's something that's really big because sometimes we chase those numbers and it's like, yes, if you get on the next pole, you should PR, but that's if you can actually get on it. Not not just like get into the pit, but like swing and turn and you know, do the whole pole vault thing. Um, yeah, and I, I think also just um, I, we can bounce back to this, but you mentioned like the kid who was like, oh, I just don't want to let anybody down, you know? And I think the big thing there too is like having conversations with athletes where it's like, listen, like, yeah, you know, sometimes parents have expectations, you know, um, but sometimes those expectations may not be realistic or maybe also the parents don't understand the process or the time it's going to take to reach those expectations. And the thing is like, 
no matter what, whether it's a parent, sometimes it's a head coach, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, as head coaches, we get kids that are, you know, jumping for, for their high school and there could be a head coach that just like puts a lot of pressure on a kid. Like, listen, like we need to win counties. So that means you need to PR in the pole vault. And if you don't do that, you're going to let us down as a team. And it's like, well, first of all, that's fine. If you let the team down, you let the team down. You're, if you're trying your best, that's all you can do, you know? And mm-hmm. And we have to just try, live with that, be happy with that. And if your head coach is going to be unreasonable and be pissed, that's his problem, not yours, you know? And I think that's, that's something that's really important too. Like going back to like life lessons, like trying to teach athletes that it's like, that's okay. Like sometimes people are not going to maybe be happy with your performance and yeah. you're going to have to be okay with that. That, that. That's just it. I know even for me as a coach, like I, I've told people over the years, it's like, listen, like I'm trying my absolute best. You know, am I the best pole vault coach in the world? Probably not. And if you're not happy with my best, you're more than welcome to go search for someone else's best. But, you know, I'm literally trying my best, you know, and I apologize if that's not good enough, you know. Um, but that's, that's something that even athletes need to learn, which, again, I think going back to like stress and anxiety and how, how people handle meats as an example, it's like those are things that can help people handle meats uh, much more, you know, because now that takes the, the, the stress away. You know, again, I, I think mm-hmm. that one of the biggest things that I do as a coach to try to make meats less stressful is I just I remind athletes, I'm like, listen. I don't want you to feel any pressure about me going to your meet. I know you might think it's like, cause I've driven as far as like 12 hours for meets, you know? And it's like, I've had athletes like, Oh my God, you're coming all the way from my meet and there's nobody mm-hmm. else from the club here. And I'm like, I'm like, that's okay. I, you know, this is part of the process. I'm supposed to go to meets. And sometimes those meets don't, don't turn out so well, but that that's okay. That's part of the process. You know, that's a really good example. Wow. Yeah. Oh gosh, that happened to one of our our high jumpers this year. They they felt really bad. It's like, dude, it's okay. Yeah. This is just track. We love track, but it's just track. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's crazy. Like, I don't know. I I wonder. I mean, I'm I'm young. Like, I've only been coaching seriously for like six, seven years, which is like so weird. Like, I feel like such a baby. But um, <laughs> I really wonder how much the last like ten. 20 years have affected kids and how that pressure just creeps up on them. Uh, do you have any input? I don't know. I mean, you're not super old either. Yeah. <laughs> you got a couple of them on me. I know that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I actually just turned 40 this past December. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, but you're 12 yeah. years, 12 years yeah. older than me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I think, I think there's good and bad with everything. Like I know when people talk about like social media as an example, you know, I think yeah. obviously there's the the negatives that everybody talks about, like everybody's trying to one up each other and show off. And, you know, obviously there's like cyber bullying and stuff like that. Um, but I, I also think that with social media, there is some parts of it that it's like, it becomes more transparent. You know, it's like, it's easier to bring up like, dude, remember that kid that you thought was so awesome? How come he didn't post after his no height? Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Like 
It's like, dude, everybody has bad days. Everybody has bad days. You know what I mean? They just happen to post their good days. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like, and, and, and I even talk about it, you know, as far as Apex. I mean, once in, a, once in a while, I do try to put like, let's say something that's like a little bit real. Like I remember one time posting about a kid who uh, pulled his hamstring at States and we were doing an eight left approach. And, you know, I, I wrote, I felt kind of responsible. Like maybe I should have just kept him at a seven, you know what I mean? Like whatever. And, you know, I mean, listen, you're never going to, uh, you know, get rid of every bad day. Like, there's no way to make a plan 100% foolproof. But, you know, it's still, I, I wanted to post about it. But even me, I mean, like, a lot of the stuff that we post at Apex, I mean, it's either the podcast or something like that. And obviously, prior to COVID, I would post more stuff about practice and stuff like that. But like, um, but it's good stuff. You know, it's like, oh, this person PR'd or, oh man, they gripped higher. Or, oh my God, they did right. a training PR, you know? So it's like, obviously you're going to post more about the positive. Uh, but I think you just have to remind athletes that that's just, that's what's on social media. That's not actual reality, you know? Um, and I think the more you can remind people about that, the better. I think also being open and honest during training, like, I always tell this story. Uh, I've had Lily Brown on the podcast. She's in college now. But when she was in high school, she had this uh, infamous Christmas Eve practice. Uh, her and one of her like training partners, they, they were in the same county. You know, um, the other girl was like one grade uh, younger. Um, it was Lily's senior year and they were having Christmas Eve practice and just, you know, Lily was kind of enjoying senior year too much. And, you know, they were practicing together and I pulled Lily aside and I said, you see that? Like, you see, you see Sydney's jump? That's going to beat you in a month. Figure it out. And nice. she held back the tears. You know, she came to practice upset for like two, three weeks. Um, she did lose at counties by an attempt. And then the next week she PR'd. But like, she talked about it on the podcast too. Mm -hmm. And it was like, when, I think if you're doing your best as a coach and you're being as honest and transparent as possible, there's yeah. stuff where, whether it's social media, their interactions at school and this and that, where, you know, I think, you know, Lily will openly talk about this. She appreciated the fact that I gave her that warning, you know, of like, hey, you're not doing yeah. everything that you can. Like, I'm going to hold you accountable, you know? Um, and I think that's something that I see at the club where, again, when we talk about bigger pole vault culture, it's like, I want, I want my athletes to hold me accountable. You know, if they don't feel like I'm working hard, they should tell me, you know. Um, but, you know, I have to hold the athletes accountable. You know, are they, are their expectations meeting reality? Meaning you think you're going to PR, but I, I've been watching you dip out on training. Like you finish yeah. the session and you dip out on training, you know. Or, you know, we're trying to figure out this drill and you're kind of going through the motions, you know. So it's like if you expect a PR, well, your reality is not matching that expectation. You know, um, I think if you can be honest as a, as a coach and hold people accountable and be honest where I think that's not always happening in other settings in children's lives, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you're in a school, you know how I, I always tell kids now I go, I think school does you a huge disservice, right? It's like grades come too easy. You know, everybody, everybody's GPA is inflated, you know, and everybody's going to college and everybody can do everything. And it's like, <laughs> that's just not reality. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, you know, and I think with the pole vault, we're very lucky where it's like, people are going to learn real fast, you know, yeah, like, you're going to fail every meet. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, but even like, you know, I think if you come in thinking like, okay, I'm going to break my school record. And then all of a sudden you see like the people who are jumping your school record at other schools and you're like, okay, like I can't do what those people can do. So I need to step up my game. And I think that helps. And I think for a large majority of people who come into Apex, I think they really, really appreciate that. I think even though on another realm, like, and so we, you know, we get adults and masters pull vultures in and, you know, I'm thinking about two people in my head right now. And the one I'm so proud of, man, he's come in and he's worked his butt off and he really listens and he's trying to figure it out and physically he's getting better. And then the other guy, it's just like, I can just tell, like he has this like almost fantasy in his head of what he's going to mm-hmm. jump. And then he just like kind of goes into the memory banks and just does what he's always done. And it's like, this is not working, dude. Mm-hmm. I, I've had to have that conversation many, many times. Now, some people don't want that. They're not ready for that kind of transparency and honesty. I feel yeah. like at Apex, some of those people leave. <laughs> they're not getting the yes and good job and pat on the back. You know, that's not real. Um, I, I think they kind of flee. But like, I, I think for me, if uh, anybody who's running a club and really trying to be a coach, I think you have to be honest. And if you want a place where it's like you do have a good community, a good culture where everybody's working hard and pushing the limits, I think that you need to have that honesty. If it's not, then I don't know, you're going to have, I think you're going to have bigger issues, you know, and then you're going to have uncomfortable conversations where it's like, like, let's say you came to me, asked me, you know, hey, you want to break your school record? And I have another girl that's jumping at, you know, the height that you want. But you, one, you're not as physically talented as a person and you're, you're going to have to put years to get there. And now all of a sudden it's been six months and you're like, well, why am I not jumping that high? Now I have to have this uncomfortable conversation because I made a promise that's not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think that comes with, I mean, it's not like you're going to give people false promises, but knowing what you can say that is realistic is definitely a skill. Like just based on the athlete and their work ethic and how much time they have. Time is a huge factor as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the longer that you coach and I I feel like, you know, something like this podcast and I always tell people they can reach out and ask any kind of questions. um, And I'm very thankful and, and appreciative to be able to answer people's questions. I think the longer you coach, the more you can give better, um, assessments, you know, like right. you know what it takes, you know, one, you know, your process more and you know what your process can produce. And then, you know, what it takes physically for someone to produce a certain result. I think that early on when you coach pole vault, I think this happens to a lot of people, especially if you're in an area where there's not a lot of good pole vault, uh, coaches, you come into an area and you get that like 12 foot high school boy who jumped 12 without coaching boom, that kid goes 14, 15 right away. You get that girl that jumped nine, 10 feet without coaching. Boom. She goes 12 feet right away. You start to think in your head, you're like, oh my God, I can make anyone jump 15 feet or anyone jump 12. I just, you know, I'm a magician. I just showed up. (laughs) Yeah. And then what happens is as the area starts to go away from the people who kind of naturally jump those heights and you start getting beginners who are not at that physical level and start Mm. that kinesthetic awareness because they figured out how to jump 12 and 10 feet on their own. Now you're getting people who can't figure it out on their own. And now all of a sudden you, you start to get humbled as a coach. You're like, Oh, not everyone can jump that high, (laughs) but I got to help these people jump as high as they can, you know? And I think that's 
Yeah. That's where it's like you really, in my mind, you become a coach because I feel like there's so many people out there that it's just, they're kind of, I, I don't know, they're fakes, they're phonies, you know what I mean? Like, like someone who just keeps talking about like some stud athlete and talking about like, oh, everybody should be able to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, yeah. okay, thanks, man. Do you want to come in on a Sunday? You can coach my Sunday sessions. Let me know how that goes. Um, <laughs> Don't know what you think of those kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, I, I think that's the thing. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Man, we've talked about a lot of things. I love talking about random brain pole vault. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let me ask you uh, one last thing then, because I know we, we've been on for a while. Um, but uh, I know before we went on, we started talking about equipment. I want to know your opinion. Where do you feel pole vault equipment is going? Um, what needs to happen pole vault equipment wise? Because I think as it starts to grow and it's not just like high schools and colleges that are purchasing stuff, like what do you feel like are the needs in the next five, 10 years in the pole vault community out of equipment? What are people looking for? What do they want? Um, do we need Bluetooth speakers on poles? Like, what's what's the next thing? <laughs> waterproof. We don't have waterproof poles yet, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, especially for beginners, I, I think one of the biggest things is certain athletes don't need anything fancy, right? And the price does not reflect that. I feel like that's, that's pretty much straight and cut across the board. Um, yeah. And that's like, like when you're first getting into it, like you don't need a big price take either. So that's honestly something that is kind of frustrating. Mm -hmm. And as, as someone who sells poles and sells equipment, I'm always like, I, I always feel a little guilty yeah. <laughs> about it. You know, it's just like, I don't, I want you to be successful and I want you to have everything you can. And I, one of the things that we try to do is just like, make sure we get people the right equipment like we're not going to just sell them anything like make sure it fits into their line and stuff so that's something yeah, that we yeah. can try to help remedy it but yeah i don't know it's it, that's definitely a big topic and for such a small sport yeah right yeah. it's very specific yeah it's a big topic and like you were saying like we don't have schools and well i guess schools high schools and universities that are just going to cover the bill necessarily across the board it's it's Either, at least 50-50. I don't really know. I'd, yeah. I'd be curious to know what that stat is, actually. Yeah, that, that is interesting. I mean, if we, if we looked at polls, like, where are the polls? Are they with high schools and colleges or with clubs? And you might be right. I mean, maybe that number now might be 50-50 because how many schools, like, how many high schools out there have maybe five, ten polls and that's it? You know what I mean? They've been surviving with that. Um, <laughs> maybe even less. I feel like yeah. there's a lot with far less, like three, maybe. <laughs> right. Whereas like, I feel like any pole vaulting club probably has at least 50 poles. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I almost think about it like kind of the strength and conditioning world. Cause just like pole vaulting, like, you know, most strength and conditioning coaches were at the college level, you know? So they weren't actually buying equipment out of their own pocket. So it was like, there was literally like maybe like three companies that made squat racks at one point, you know? So it was like, that was it. You buy a squat rack. There was no options. Whereas like now in the shooting conditioning world, because there's so many more private gyms, people even have equipment at home. So it's like, now there's just a huge, huge lineup of like, you can get your bare bones squat rack for like a thousand bucks, maybe less all the way up to like a 10 grand, 
10 grand squat rack, which is like with all the bells and whistles and, you know, you can have a world record broken on that, you know? It's like a I, I almost feel like, <laughs> yeah, I almost feel like with pole vaulting, we need to see the same thing, you know? Um, I even like, I mean, I'm sure you guys have come across this. I've talked about this issue with some other people, but like, you know, the pits a couple of years ago became a little bit harder, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. And it's like, to me, I'm like, okay, I don't know who at the IAAF or whatever decided that the pits need to be stiffer. Um, and I'm sure that at the Olympic level, some 225 pound decathlete, you know, maybe he bottomed out at the Olympics, but it's like, <laughs> we have pole vaults and clubs where it's like, you have little middle school kids jumping on these pits. They don't need to be of the stiffness of concrete. Like we can make a softer version, you know what I mean? And I think there should be like, so many different options. There should be stiffness options, size options. You know what I mean? Like there's just a whole slew of things that I think can go in that could maybe uh, provide more economical choices as far as the pits. And then even the poles, like I, I there's gotta be a way to, to make a cheaper pole because like you said, for someone who's just getting into it, I think even like early lines at pole vaulting clubs, I don't know that like, you know, do you need, you know, a 10 foot pole to be a carbon, you know, like, do you need, you know, does it need to be the fanciest fiberglass? Like, I don't know. There's probably something else, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm hopeful that as we continue, maybe there will be more options, you know? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the big factor is just growth. So I'm really hoping that our sport can grow more and more. I, I hadn't really thought about that concept of having more variety in like, yeah. I don't even know how to describe what you said, but like, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. Those that different variation. And I mean, we're always going to have our hands tied with like the rules and what is mandatory. Sure, sure, sure. And I mean, obviously that's not th- something that we can fight from a coaching standpoint necessarily, but right, right, right. I, I, I definitely feel like having more variation and accessibility mm-hmm. is needed for sure. Right. Cause it, like, like, I mean, this whole time we've been talking about how, helpful and beneficial pole vaulting is just as a sport like to build character and to help kids to develop and be able to be like full-grown high-functioning adults so like there's a lot of value in that but allowing it to happen safely more is definitely the direction that i think we need to go yeah yeah for sure um is there anything else you'd like to go over oh boy crickets in my head. You made me nervous. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with not right now, but I'm sure I will bother you at some other time. <laughs> okay. Well, so um, for anybody who's listening to the podcast, if they want to reach out to you guys, what's the best way to reach out to you guys? And, and is there any maybe social media you want to promote? Probably just Instagram. That's, I mean, I, we have a website and stuff, but I'll be honest, I'm not on there nearly as much, but Instagram, um, I, I'm on there pretty regularly. I check it daily. Um, so that's Flygles Flyers. Uh, that's it. <laughs> there we yeah. go. Yeah. F-L-E-I-G-L-E-S Flyers. F-L-Y-E-R-S. Yeah. Awesome. Woo-hoo. Awesome. Well, for everybody uh, watching or listening, uh, thank you for joining us for episode 98. Um, if you could subscribe to the Apex Vaulting YouTube channel or on the iTunes podcast, and uh, you can follow us on Instagram at The Real Apex Vaulting, and then we're Apex Vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining us, Esther. Yeah.